0: All right, so I just was uh, going to share something before Luke started preaching. and wasn't going to record it, but we are. So I wanted to read something just for everybody here. It's not like a trick question. It's it's not to catch anybody. I, I, I want everybody to just tell me what they think about this, all right? So this is a commentary talking about uh, Romans ten four and where that's the verse that says Christ is the end of the law, and of course we always get beat to death with that verse because of the way it's, in, you know, interpreted by normative Christianity. But I wanted to read this note out of a commentary. So it says, and then I want you to tell me just you know your initial reaction to this, good or bad. So it says the word translated end stands in the emphatic first position in the Greek sentence. Don't worry about that. It means that Christ is the designed end, termination, or purpose goal of the law, the object to which the law pointed. The law did not and could not of itself provide righteousness before God for individuals, but Christ fulfilled the law by keeping it perfectly during his sinless life and then gave his life in payment for the penalty of sin and the broken law. The law then pointed to him as a source of the God-provided righteousness it could, it could not supply. A godly Jew who trusted Yehovah and followed the Levitical system, including the sin offering and the trespass offering, would most likely be inclined to respond to Christ by faith and would receive God's righteousness, i.e., be justified. He then could meet the requirements of the law by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Conversely, a Jew who sought by works to establish his own righteousness, would not recognize Christ as, quote, the end of the law and would stumble over him, end quote. All right, what do you think about that? Oh, nailed it. It's perfect, he's isn't perfect. it? Yeah. It's perfect. perfect. Now, perfect. here's the source. And uh, Pastor Mullen gave me this commentary when I f- f- was uh, first started pastoring our church, Milford. This is from... The Bible, this is a Bible knowledge commentary, an exposition of the scriptures by Dallas Seminary Faculty. (laughs) So what's wrong with this picture? This is the confusion that haunted me all my years of what I believed, which is just what this guy said, he it could not be said any better. But where they take it. (laughs) After that, how how right. can so do you understand my confusion? I mean, I had this, well, he get it 1987. And before I believed exactly that, you can read exactly that, but then they tell you we're crazy. Right. Right? Right. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I mean it couldn't have been so you would have thought that was a messianic commentator. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so anyway, welcome to the world of confusion that makes absolute no sense, but yet we're still the idiots somehow, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: it blew me away. Yeah, it is amazing how yeah, because when you take the text uh, at at face value, that's it's the natural conclusion that you have to come to. Yeah. But, well, then, but then they go on to distort it and and build a straw man argument off of it.
0: Well, even Jerry Mitchell, his brother, I believe, is on a faculty at Dallas. Oh. How many times have I gone around with Jerry about this? Darren, yeah. do you think he was <laughs> down during that time? From Scott's survival? Oh, sh- probably. he was the... You was you sure?
1: Either the president or vice president. Um, so today we're going to be in Isaiah. I've been in, starting in Isaiah, and I uh, wanted to. So, Isaiah chapter one, we're going to go through one and probably into two a little bit. Um, but I, I, what I loved about this passage. Every, every time I don't know it's maybe it's like this for you dad or other people but it it's like each time you get back around to these books and you read them again it's like always new again always refreshing and you see other little things that maybe you saw before or you see it again and it just um, reminds you but um, so there's three things that I want to kind of look at and we're gonna we're gonna break it down as we're gonna read it and then' um, and go through, but in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, kind of the point one that I want to cover is, you have this idea of the natural world being called to stand as a witness against the people of God, which I find really fascinating, because, and I always tend to harp on this, but it's because I really enjoy the natural world, and biology, and physics, and all these things, but I find it fascinating that God and you read it in other parts where Moses speaks, you know, give your, O heavens and earth. And, you know, the, the natural world is called as a witness against God's people. And the reason for that is because the natural world, the animals just do what they're designed to do by God. They don't do anything else. They, they are purely what they are. Man is the equation. We were talking on the way over here about it. Man is the changing factor in it all and so they stand as you know it's like the 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 standard of truth or if you have the law and then you have the variable you know that that it gets measured against and so they can be called as a witness against god's people for their transgressions because the natural universe then suffers the ramifications of disobedience god's world god's god's people so you have that, that's number one, verses one through four. And then verses five through nine, because of what the condition of God's people are in, the people are sick. Uh, the land's desolate, and except for a small remnant, all would be consumed. And so you have this idea of the body of the Messiah, the the people are sick. But, and except for this small remnant, it would all just fall apart. And, and I think that applies in many ways to us physically in our own bodies, that we'll get sick, and were it not for a small remnant of our immune system and the and for and microbiology going on within our body, interestingly, this is a little side note, we have more non-human cells in us that make up who we are than human cells that make up who we are. That makes sense, so it's something like 60% of the cellular totality that's within us is not human. What is it, alien? It's like uh, bugs, uh, not b- bugs, uh, it's plant
0: it's
1: No, 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 um, like probiotic bacteria. bacteria. There's like more of this living in it in us bacteria. that our body requires to function properly than just our normal cellular and tissues going on. So I find that really fascinating. And so this whole idea that the body of of God's people is sick because of their disobedience, and so there's there's illness, there's problems, there's breakdown in certain areas, and it's only small little sections that are continuing to hold it all together. But eventually you get enough of a, a peak and enough going wrong, just like Sodom and Gomorrah, it all goes up in flames. Same thing happens to us physically. Same thing happens to God's people corporately. And so that's point number two. The people are sick. Point number three, which is ten through twenty, we're. Gonna, it, it, what's the solution? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to hear the word, give ear to the Torah. We're to consume that which gives us life. Just like you know, we you know, man's daily bread. The word of God is is that diet, and uh, um, man does not live by every word, but er, by bread, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so that's what gives us life. That's what nourishes the body, restores it to healing, keeps things working the way it's supposed to. And so um, the, the solution is to hear the word and give ear to the Torah. And we'll kind of dive into that. And then lastly, you go on from verse uh, 21 through 31, and... Um, well, you kind of have a couple of things, Scott, talking about the city and how he's going to purge them, and then twenty-five, how he's going to restore them uh, later on, and uh, so. But but primarily, I want to focus on one through uh, one through twenty. So um, so let's pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for the Shabbat, and for this day, and for your Word, and for how. Uh, You provide it for us to learn and to uh, do what's right and to grow from it. And I just pray that you would just uh, speak to us and teach us and help us to live it out and do it. And I thank you for all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. So we'll read 1 through 20, and then we'll kind of get into each of these points here. So Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Leotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for Yehovah has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken Yehovah. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bru- bruises. Pure, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate, as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a, cat, a cottage, in a vineyard, uh, in a lodge, in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except Yehovah of hosts had left, un, left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we would have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of Jehovah, you rulers of Sodom, and give ear unto the Torah of Jehovah our God, uh, unto the Torah of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith Yehovah? I am full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of the he-goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread on my courts? Bring no more vain oblations, incense as an, is as an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot, away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are troubled unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed. The judge, the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith Jehovah. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But But if you refuse and rebel... He shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of Yehovah hath spoken it. So, it's just this opening, um, this opening series of verses and statements that God has to his people, and it's beautiful because it is, it's this, it's, I feel like it's just like me talking to my kids sometimes, or like probably every father. It's like, you're yelling at them because you're angry, and you're going to wipe them out. And then you're explaining why you're going to wipe them out. But you're also saying, it doesn't have to be like this. If you would just listen and do what you're saying, because I'm telling you this stuff for your own good, things would be better. But the wonderful thing where where we as earthly parents then have to just kind of give it up and be like, all right, you're on your own. You're an adult. You got to choose your own path. God somehow in his sovereign ability is able to change that person miraculously. And he will purge them and he will correct them. And there's that dynamic push and pull of somehow people having free will and somehow God choosing who he will to save, to redeem, to cleanse, to purify in his sovereign knowledge. You know, And that's something more than we can even understand and wrap our minds around. You know, I wish we as parents, well, we as parents and as humans, we would just make all our children robots, which, you know, isn't real life, you know? So I just love the the kind of the ups and the downs. So that first point, so one through four, the natural world is called to stand as a witness against the people of God. So he says, hear, O heavens, and it's interesting because it ends, right? At verse, um, b where did it go? Come now. Oh, 19, where it kind of starts in verse 2 with the uh, hero, heavens, and earth, and it ends in 19. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So this connection to the land is really important. It's all about, you know, the connection. It's, it's such a whole... God's teaching and his word, it's all holistic. There is no spirit, you know, there, there is no understand what i'm saying it's not we tend to as greek thinking americans separate everything out into this category that category that category well it's all together it's the same thing when i work with the horses it's we tend to in western medicine to be like well why is this one thing happening wrong with the horse can we do this one thing to fix that one thing with the horse And the reality is, no, it's a a whole being of totality, just like God's people, just like any individual person. And so to have health within that horse and animal, to have health within us, it's a holistic totality lifestyle from what you eat to when you get up to when you sleep to what you say to what you think about. And because nothing nothing operates on an island, it's all together. And so especially, you know, the more that we learn in human biology about all of these microbes and little bugs, basically, microbiomes living within us and how there's more of that than there is human cells. And so the health of that microbiome affects our emotional state and our mental state. You know, we want to say, well, you know, that person needed psychiatric help. Well, yeah, maybe, but, you know, how were they living? What were they eating? You know, we tend to, again, segregate that out. like... This psychotic disease attacked that poor person randomly. Well, no. It's been a series of things that goes on. And so, again, this whole idea of this connection between us and the world that God has put us in, and it's all designed to work a certain way. And if we obey Him, there will be blessings. If we don't, there will be curses. And so, the natural world stands as a testament and a witness to where we've gone wrong. Like, we're driving... um, today on the way to congregation and there's those uh, uh I think they're called gypsy moths and they're eating all the oak tree leaves well I said you know my knee-jerk reaction is stupid gypsy you know moths eating all the leaves and actually and then Marilee goes well actually stupid people and that's exactly right you know why is the natural environment in the state it is the sin of mankind it's been that way from the beginning so don't be surprised so, but it's called as a witness, and it reflects our depraved state. And so that's what he does here in verse 2: Hero, heavens and earth, where Jehovah has spoken. And I have nursed and brought up children, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, the ass is master, but Israel, my people, doth not consider a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers. Children are the corruptors, they've forsaken and provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger, and they are gone away backward. So, we see there that they don't operate like the natural world does, like these animals that know their owners and understand them and act accordingly. Israel does whatever it wants, they're a sinful nation and a people laden with iniquity. So, the first thing we see is they're rebellious, you know, they will not listen. They will not abide by the instructions. You can train an animal and they'll do what they're supposed to uh, consistently, regularly. And eventually it gets to the point where you don't even have to tell them. You just think it. And your subtle little body language they'll react to. We have to get to that point in our lives with God. you know, Where, where we can almost sense on an invisible level how to react to our Heavenly Father... Because we know what he's thinking. Holy the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Exactly. We have to be so in tune with him and so well trained and so adapted and so giving ourselves over to his service that these promptings, it doesn't need to be a booming voice from heaven. You know, we all want to look for the big and the loud, but what happened with Elijah, right? In the, in still the the Still small voice. He wasn't in the world. It doesn't mean that God doesn't react that way, but... He was so in tune to God and had, and I I believe what God was showing him that he had to give up of himself and his own ambitions and endeavors and what he was trying to do even on behalf of God that, that well-trained animal that would just react to, you know, the way you thought, like when I... Uh, I had a horse that I used to ride on and to change the speed, change the gait that we were riding, I didn't have to cue him anymore. I would just think about it, but my thought would just change my a little bit of my body balance and my pr- uh, pressure and my weight and he would just automatically pick up a trot. And if I thought eh, I want a canter, he'd automatically pick up a canter because my little my thought translated into changes within my physiology and my body and my balance. And he just knew instantly what that was. We have to be that horse with God and his Holy Spirit because he's always talking to us. It's always there. You know, he's ever-present. We just become uh, numb to his promptings. And so we have to be reconditioned. And we do the same thing with animals. You You can recondition, resensitize these animals to listen to lighter and lighter prompts. But what happens is how, how you do that. I wasn't expecting to say any of this, how you do that though. And I think it's the same way God has to retain just is you have to start with a loud prompt. You got to really get their attention. And then as soon as you get a reaction, you tone down the prompt and you tone it down so that eventually it reaches that level. It's less, less and less and less and less and less to where again, God just has to think it and he just moves lightly and we'll, Instantaneously respond, and so that's where we need to get to. Instead of being rebellious and wild, you know. So, but right now, and especially in these days in the exile, though I believe God is turning us back and He's resensitizing us. Right, that trained animal. He's resensitizing us. We are being turned back, and so they were a people. We are a people laden with iniquity. We, they have baggage you know, some of the horses I work with, they are, they come with a lot of baggage. Either they've been, and sometimes that baggage is from being quote unquote trained by other people and trainers who really don't understand the animal at all. And so they just mess them up mentally and emotionally. So you have to, they're laden with iniquity. And so just like us, because of the training and the stimuli that we have had in the exile and in our life and the idolatrous things have come in and living in the world, we are laden with iniquity. We're trained improperly. And so God has to retrain us. And because of that, they're a seed of evildoers. You know, the germinating thing within them only produces evil. So we have to have the seed of the word of God within us, this different motivation to do right. So there's seed of evil, children that are corruptors. They so when there is a seed of evil, all it produces is corruption. Same thing with those those horses. Same thing with us. If you're trained improperly, if you're responding to the wrong cues, you're just going to produce chaos in your own life. Because you, and you can't do anything else. There is no other option. It's just what you do. It is if we are reacting to the influences within the exile, we will by by default, produce corruption. So, we have to be able, we have to respond to these new prompts from God, from His Spirit, from His Word. Because that's what we're going to get at, get down to eventually in our third point. Hear the Word, give ear to the Torah, listen to the new trainer. <laughs> so, there are sinful people, laden with iniquity, seed of evil doers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken Yehovah, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. So there are rebellious children. They don't know their masters, and they're full of sin and corruptors. So because of that, things aren't functioning properly. We're not firing on all cylinders. We're not responding correctly. It gets so bad with some of these animals, and I dare say with us in relation to God, that we don't even know how to respond correctly. We've become so such a mess with so many foreign influences in our life, we don't even know how to respond correctly to God. And so we have to be built back up from the beginning to even know how to function like a normal human being. There's horses I deal with that don't act like normal horses because I've never been around normal horses. They've only been in domestic situations that are just a mess. And And it's the same thing with, with us. We've grown up in these, uh, you know, pagan... Exile situations where we don't know how to even function properly, and so we have to be built back up, and so we're we're, we're sick, and so we need to be healed. So, uh, verse five, God says, "Why should you be stricken anymore? You'll revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint." So He's relaying what the condition is, because and and certain a certain reaction, you know, he he understands it's gotten to the point where they have chosen their own path to such a degree that he can just pummel them all he wants, but they just aren't gonna react properly. They're not gonna respond. And so he's laying out this premise to them. You're just gonna revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, the heart's faint, from the sole of the foot even to the head. There's no soundness but wounds and bruises, putrefying sores that have not been closed, neither bound up nor mollified with ointment. Country's desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land, strangers devour within your presence. it 's desolate, overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in the garden of cucumbers as a besieged city. It's become a shack instead of a shining city on a hill, it's a shack and a vineyard that they would just hang out in just to get out of the sun. You know and, and that's the same thing that's now. I mean, you look at Israel and you look at Jerusalem now, it's ruled by our enemies. You know, that city that should be a shining city and a hill and an example of who and what the people of God are to the world is, is an example of what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with God people God's people. They're occupied by their enemies. It's controlled by their enemies because they allow it. And we do the same thing. It's the same thing in our own hearts, in our own lives. We are occupied by the enemy of sin because we allow it. Because we don't want to go through the battle to take it back. Because it's hard work to change. You got to want to change. You got to be, you know, it's again, being that horse getting trained. One of the biggest things that has to happen when you're retraining a horse, it has to be consistent daily, little bits. You know, you can go to a one day clinic and have lots of quick speedy change, but the long term, what changes the heart of that horse, the spirit of that horse, people, God's people, is that daily, consistent trai- training and being reconditioned to respond properly. And that's what needs to happen in God's people. So the people are sick, and because of that, the land is desolate. And so, except for a small remnant, they would have been consumed. Verse nine, except Yehovah of hosts had less unto us a very small remnant, we have been like, would have been like Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. So, you know, there's that small remnant that God preserves. Uh, so that, but I find it interesting that um, they, you know, he refers always refers to Sodom and Gomorrah and a small remnant, which I think you can assume is lot and his family but what's interesting to me is and, it, and he's called Righteous Lot even in the New Testament but it, you read the story of Lot and it's like Lot was a disaster you know his wife gets turned into a pillar of salt and then the rest of the story we know uh, and that's the small remnant <laughs> but I think what happens is even the small remnant you know it's just things are such a mess you can't even live how you're supposed to you know, Lot couldn't really live unto God how he's supposed to in that environment, right? God had to get him out of it. And um, and I think the same thing for us here. We, we are doing the best we can. We're trying to change. We're trying to be retrained. But there's there's certain things that aren't going to happen until, you know, the restitution of all things when Messiah comes and is on the throne and, and sets up his kingdom again. But until that time, you know, we have to be Shaped and honed and trained daily, you know, re-conditioned re, um, re, uh, 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 to respond to the right stimuli so that it's light, so that it's instantaneous, so that we can react on a moment's notice just knowing what God already is thinking, His Holy Spirit in us. So that was verse 9. So verse 10. So what are we supposed to do? We've already basically talked of it. Hear the word of Yahovah. That doesn't just mean look at it and be like, oh yeah, that's nice. You know, go to a, go to a conference, hear the speaker, get all warm and fuzzy, go home and do go back to doing whatever the hell you want. You know, no, we're supposed the word the, when we hear it means to respond with correct correct action and behavior. We read, we study, we hear, we get, we pay attention to the prompts of the trainer of God in our life, and then we respond appropriately. You know, if you're training a horse, yeah, the horse hears and feels everything you do with it. But if it doesn't respond, then it's, you're wasting your time. Same thing for us. So hear the word God's of God.
0: People have to admit that they are the Sodom and the Gomorrah in those verse.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you just said, we, have to, we as God's people need to understand that we are the Sodom and we are the Gomorrah. God's people. He's speaking to his people. Then, speaking to us now. You know, we are a mixture of all kinds of abominable things. I mean, talk to any pastor in any church, and, they'll you know, if he's honest with you, he'll say that the people in his congregation are as bad, if not worse, than everything that goes on in the world. Full. A people laden with iniquity full of sin, corruption, and, and, and we see the outcome, families, sicknesses. You know, again, I, I know I beat on the natural world and things, but it's like, how can we be a, we cannot, we cannot be a spiritually healthy people and a physically sick people. We just can't be. We, it is heart, soul, mind, and body. You know that God is restoring and so and again your mind just like any other part of your body cannot function properly if it's not nourished properly if it's not trained properly just like you condition a muscle by certain actions and repetitions you must condition your mind through certain thought processes and ways that you choose to think and so that you build Neuron pathways. I mean, they know all this stuff. you got to lay down myelin on your neuron synapses so that you can function properly. you got to feed it and nourish it properly. You know, if you're eating and drinking crap all the time, don't wonder why, you know, you're depressed or feel sad and then you're useless to God. You know? That's why the Bible talks about, you know, wine and being drunk because these physical things affect your mind and affect your behavior. I don't know how I got on that. But... You know, so they they're, they have to take these physical actions. Hear the word of God. Give ear unto the Torah of our God, you people of Gomorrah. So he's yelling at the rulers of Sodom, the people of Gomorrah, us, his people. And then he goes on to say, you know, what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifice to me? I'm full of burnt offerings and rams. So they're still going to church on Sunday. They're still praying. They're still singing hymns, but inside. They're corrupt. It's just like when Yeshua was yelling at the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They did all the religiosity things. But the problem was, it was all for outward show, to make themselves feel okay, to look good, so they could do their little duty and get their quota in while they (laughs) raped and pillaged and did all sorts of abominable things. They didn't care for the widow. They didn't take care of their parents. They didn't watch over out for the stranger. They didn't take care of the orphan. They didn't have a heart that gave of themselves to serve God and keep his word and his ways. It was all for themselves to get what they wanted. And so he, he tells them, you know, when you come to appear before me in verse 12, who hath required this at your hand to tread in my courts. <laughs> what are you doing in here? says, don't bring any more vain oblations. Instance is, is an abomination to me. And the new moons and the Sabbath calling the se- assemblies, I cannot away with it. If you're just going to do all this, speaking out of one side of your mouth, and then go live the rest of the week, and the year, however you want, don't waste my time. You know, it's, it's an abomination. So religious acts mixed with a life of sin, God cannot tolerate. They have to be cleansed. They have to be washed. So what's, what's the... What's the uh, um, oh, well, first we've got to talk about 15 because this is so important. When you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Their hands are full of blood. Death, bloodshed, murder, wickedness and God's not going to listen to them when they're in that state. For he, he the first thing that ha, the only thing he's going to listen to is to your cry for forgiveness and repentance. Then we can talk. You no, know, it's kind of like again, the rebellious child wants to come and borrow the car, while well, he won't listen to anything you are doing. It's like, "No, no, don't don't come talk to me." You know, let's get things set straight first and build the relationship properly, and then we can talk. It's the same thing with God, you know, but that's why I'm I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan. That's putting it mildly. I'm not a fan of like national prayer around the flagpole day. That's not the prayer we need. I don't think God listens to that prayer. Ooh, that's fighting words. <laughs> He doesn't want those prayers. He doesn't want to hear that. What he wants to hear is mourning for our collective rebellion, bloodshed, and diabolical behavior before him is what he wants to hear. And until that happens, you know, he doesn't want to hear, God, please God, bless America. You know, no, he wants to hear, woe is us. We are sinful, wicked people. You know, maybe we should all gather around on the flagpole with sackcloth and ashes, mourning. That's not going to happen, though, is it? No. But until, but what I want, what I want us to realize though, is it's not about me. It's not about us pointing at them gathering around the flagpole. We need to turn the finger around at our own lives. Every individual needs to come before God with their own sackcloth and their own ashes because they all know their own sins individually repent, turn back and hear his word so that he can then cleanse, renew and start to recondition his people so he says to them verse um, verse 15 when you, uh, 16 sorry Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. So that's the first thing that's got to happen. They have to put away the evil. They got to change what they're doing. And then they need to learn. 17, learn to do well. So they got to learn. They got to seek judgment. And so, and then they can act. That's so important. So they have to change what they're doing. They have to stop. Cease from evil. Then they need to learn. And seek. So there's this learning, which is kind of almost passive. Then there's seeking, which is an active response. Seeking judgment. We lack that. Like, there's no, no, like, it's unbelievable. There's no judgment in God's people right now. We need to seek judgment. But that can't happen until we repent and change our wicked ways. Learn to do well. Then seek judgment. Then we can start to relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless and plead the widow. Come now, let us reason together, saith Yehovah. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 19. How? If ye be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of Jehovah has spoken. So they need to stop doing evil. Learn to do well. We need to re-educate ourselves, retrain ourselves, so that then we can start to seek the cues from our God. We need to, the judgment, the discernment, the cues of how to act. Then we can do what we're supposed to. Relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead the widow, start to make a change in the world around us, not just in our own lives, but in things around us. We all want to go out and fix everything around us, but you can't go fix anything around us when you're a mess. So, And if they do that and will reason with God, then He'll cleanse us. But we have to be willing and obedient to do these things. So they must wash and be clean, put away the evil, learn, seek judgment, reason with God, be obedient. It starts in the heart, it moves to the mind, and it produces action in our physical bodies, in our daily lives that's how it works. It's a package deal. It's a holistic life that we live before God in all that we do and it affects everything. It affects the universe around us. Just why? Just all the way down to the caterpillars eating the leaves off the tree and wiping out trees. You know, it's it's all it's all connected. It's all related. But it starts inside, you know. But if but again, you know, I know I harp on this. If we're sickly and unhealthy in our physical bodies, we're not going to have much motivation to do what we're supposed to before God, rightly. So we have to change it all. We have to give up our, our selfish ways of living, you know, Stop responding to the pews of the diaspora, the idolatry and the paganism and the foreign, in, the foreign influences and realize who our owner is. So, that's it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Turn us back. Change our hearts and minds. Help us to be willing and obedient that we may respond to your cues and do what's right. I thank you for your word. Uh, Help us to be daily trained by it, reminded by it, that we can act with uh, very minimal cues to obey you and do what's right and be willing and uh, be able to turn on a dime when you cue us properly and that we will uh, be built back into your people that you long for us to be, that we may be used by you for your purposes. I just thank you for this, God. Help us just uh, somehow get balance in our lives and uh, all these things in the world that are always pulling at our attention and pulling at our desires and influence in us, whether we realize it or not, that we would have priorities straight and correct to uh, live correctly, and that we would understand where we are. And yes, there's it's a struggle, and uh, it's, it's tough, and we feel inadequately compensated for our uh, lives of attempted obedience to you, but we need to realize that we are living out The byproduct of sin from us and our forefathers and our four forefathers, and that it has to change now with us in our own generation, and that we can't keep perpetuating it because we don't feel like there's any hope, or we feel short, you know, like we got the short end of the stick because we're having to suffer now because of it all. Well, yeah, we are, but somebody's got to somewhere and start the change so that the change can happen, and you can have a people ready and willing to. Do your bidding that you may return and rule and reign. So I just ask that you would encourage us that way, Father. Build us up and uh, uh, guide us with your Spirit and your Word to do what's right. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Yeah, I think
0: it's interesting when you said, like, when you have to.